We would like to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded on traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we'd like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. Welcome to I Used to Play Piano, the podcast for listeners of music, doers of music, and lovers of music. I'm Ioana. And I'm Zara. And welcome back, Zara. Welcome it's been back. a while. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's 2020, bro. 2020. <laughs> new Year, new us. Yes, indeed. That's right. It has been a little while, but we're back on track. As usual, we like to take our time with our episodes. Mm, this is the norm. One day we're going to go back to doing it once a month and you guys going to be like, whoa. You're going to be sick doing? of us. You're going to be like, oh, I don't like hearing them regularly. <laughs> I need a three-month break in between every episode. <laughs> you want to did have to ask me what the title of the podcast was. Shh, you're not to tell people that. I was the one who came up with the name as well. That's true. <laughs> okay. So, Zara, did you get shamed by a flute? <laughs> I like that this is the first thing that we think is very important to talk about after a several months well, hiatus. It's, it's pretty intriguing. <laughs> That's right. So this is a very special, um, I guess, news report, breaking story. I don't think it's breaking. It came from the Middle Ages. So. <laughs> um, but a listener slash friend of the podcast, Sadishika, um, wrote in and requested that we cover this because it's um, very important news. This was from an article shared in early Jan by classicfm.com about the medieval shame flute. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Please go on. Okay. So um, apparently this was a device. Um, So I'm sure most of you would know like about weird torture devices from the the Middle Ages and things like that. Um, so this was one that was used to punish bad musicians. Can you hear that police car in the background? I think we'll be fine. There's a siren. They're coming to put the shame flute on us. (laughs) (laughs) What crime did you commit? (laughs) So basically, um, this flute, and it it actually looks like a kind of clarinet made of iron, was strapped to a person's neck, um, and then their hands were shackled to it, so it looked like they were actually holding it as if you were playing the keys on the instrument. (laughs) And then they were paraded around town um, to be shamed. And apparently this was used for crimes against music. <laughs> what sort of crimes against music? It doesn't specify in this particular article. I think, I don't know, what was music like in the Middle Ages? I don't know. It was probably particularly sacred, wasn't it? it would have been. I'd say so. Yeah. It didn't follow the, the music laws. What were some of those? Um, I'm really bad with eras and music Parallel history. fifths. No parallel fifths. Or no, fourths. No tritones. <laughs> no tritones. Maybe someone played a tritone? I don't know. It also I says... I feel like the shame flute wouldn't have been enough of a torture for that. <laughs> in that day. It says it was also used for any public performer whose work was considered objectionable. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel a little bit attacked. <laughs> Can we also just point out, and I, I apologize to all flute players, but the fact that it was the flute that was picked to be the shame <laughs> instrument. <laughs> why not? Well, it looks like a clarinet, so why not a clarinet? It looks really uncomfortable, to be quite honest. Well, yes. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to be- breathe properly because you've got a ring around your neck. A big like a iron heavy thing. Yeah. <sighs> it could be a really cool gothic look though. I guess I'm so. I'm just thinking if You're that's your that. style. 
Um, I should mention this article was written by Maddie Shaw Roberts, the classic FM. Oh, okay. So thank you to Maddie for sharing this amazing contraption. It certainly kept me entertained. What's the name of the article if someone would like to go and read it? It's called Forget Social Media Trolling. This is How Bad Musicians Were Punished in the Middle Ages. Do you think <laughs> we should go back to that and get rid of the trolling? Get rid of trolling and just strap people with a shame point. <laughs> I'm just really interested in this crimes against music because after my um, our listener slash friend Sadishika sent this to me, I was starting to try and like think, what would I consider a crime against music in the modern day? And I thought, as a music therapist who tries to come at things with unconditional positive regard, <laughs> I um, got myself in a bit of a quandary because there's certainly things that I might consider to be crimes against music that I probably would not like to admit for fear of, um, I guess, offending someone who might, that might be quite a personal piece for. But <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because there are so many people who just, or as it should be, have different views on different types of music. And for me, if it was, if I had to choose, contemporary music, <laughs> all contemporary music, <laughs> would be Andre Rue would be committing lots of musical crime. Ooh, oh, <laughs> oh, that's fighting words, Joanna. Oh, I feel like I've just been like digging myself into a hole. I know uh, a lot. A lot of people love Andre Rue. They do. <laughs> But I, I, <laughs> I don't. I know a lot of classical musicians don't like that style of music mm. either. But you know what? I'm sure he's, um, you know, not concerned with it, sitting on his mountains of money that he's made from yeah. that style. I so. could probably guarantee that he hates the music he plays as well. You reckon? I mean, there's only so many times I could listen to a Vien- Viennese waltz before I... Yeah, because he way knows, he's figured out how to make music, <laughs> how to make money. But it's like, I remember once watching an interview that Michael Bublé was giving and he had a go at like how he always has to do these songs over and over and over again. And he was just having a really kind of dig at it. And I was like, well, write your own bloody music. You've got a <laughs> voice. You clearly know, well... Hopefully, you know a little bit about music, or if not, you're probably capable of learning. So write your own music and, and quit complaining. Would you judge me harshly if I told you I'd went to see him live and he was no, fantastic? No, not at all. That's, I'm sure he's a great It was performer. a fun show. Yeah, for sure. But my, my gripe with him is the fact that he was complaining about it, yet this is how he's earned his living, and that was clearly a choice that he made. I feel like you see that a lot with um, like rock musicians as well, like not wanting to play their number one hit. They get sick of it, yeah. especially, especially like with like kind of prog rock stuff. Like, mm. oh, I'm not going to play that. I'm. But it's interesting though. This is going off on a huge tangent. Massive. I'm sorry. Okay. Your your beautifully written outline for this episode <laughs> is getting lost already. We love a good chat. We're, we're five minutes in and we're a tangent. Um, I was listening to. Um, well, actually, Dan and I went to see at ScienceWorks, which is a science museum here in Melbourne. Um, for our international listeners. Yes, <laughs> or interstate listeners even. <laughs> um, we went to see, a, they have a planetarium there, with, which is like a dome ceiling, and they projected this um, film that was specifically made for a dome um, to, co- to coincide with Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall albums. Yeah. Which was really, it was a fun night. Um, but it got me thinking about like, a lot of their music is very personal and about, processing their own trauma yeah. with what happened to one of their bandmates yeah. and, you know, dead fathers and all things like that. 
before I just smashed my head into the <laughs> pop filter. <laughs> so it was like, I wonder if that's going to come up on the recording. No one would have known. Bang. <laughs> um, you know, and there's a lot of artists that I would listen to that write really personal music. Mm. And then to have to go and perform that live, over especially if it's a really popular again. song, that must be really yeah, traumatic. It's a, it's yeah. a really interesting mm. um, sort of concept, isn't it? Because it's just music is, a, is an outlet. People write songs to process trauma, to process emotions. And it might be that they're a musician, therefore they, they record and release these songs. And so when you're sort of over that or you've you've sort of finished dealing with that issue that you wrote the song about but it was a really good song because it was full of emotion and or whatever people loved it do you do you keep reliving those those um those that that issue because of, of you you're singing the song again we were talking to um Jeremy Oh yes, our um, about it. Alexander Technique to and he Jeremy Woolhouse. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about how hmm. he doesn't often reperform songs because that was a, a, a moment of time at that time that he wrote That's it. Right. You should go back and listen to episode seven to catch our chat with Jeremy Woolhouse. That was a really I remember that statement blowing my mind. He was talking about even just rep pieces that he'd learnt, not feeling the need to go back and learn them yeah. again. Yeah. So I wonder if this is something that um, yeah, rock musicians or prog rock musicians have, do they have this option? Because if, if making their main source of income is through concerts yeah, then, and they know they have to. Even Michael Bublé. Even Michael Bublé. No, but Michael Bublé, I don't know. I just have a thing against Michael Bublé. Anyway, moving on. But yeah, so. <laughs> so in summary, shame flutes equal bad, crimes against music equal Objective. Yeah. <laughs> Reliving trauma through performing music equals potentially good for finances, but not good for the soul. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. If anyone is a musician and a performing musician and finds that, you know, they have performed songs that they, or pieces of music that they don't want to perform anymore because they don't feel particularly, what's the word I'm looking for? They just don't – they've moved on from that moment. Please, please let us know how you deal with that because it's really interesting. I, w- I want to know what, what's going on in your brain and, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, feel free to, you know, hit us up on Instagram at I Used to Play Piano um, or in our Facebook group, which is I Used to Play Piano Podcast. podcast yeah. Or you can email us at Gmail, um, our Gmail account, which is I Used to Play Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Get in touch. We'd love to hear listener stories. We've had a few people – you know, write in in the past telling us about their experience and what's resonated with them. So I'm yeah. really keen to know, yeah, about this idea of like playing old repertoire or songs that yeah. you've written and how you deal with it. Mm. Or even if you've just got something that you consider to be a crime against music. <laughs> We'd love to know what your thoughts are on that subject. <laughs> I'm sure I've committed a lot of crimes against music. I'm probably sure we all have. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. So I guess we've talked a little bit about um, well, no, we haven't really, like what we've done in the last months in music. Yeah. It's been quite a while. We mm. were trying to work out what we'd done, but because we've had Christmas and New Year's, yeah. I think other than listing off all of the Christmas carols that I either went to or performed, 
in. <laughs> it's oh, going to be a pretty dry time in music for me. Yeah. About yourself? Oh, well, I've been a little bit busy preparing for um, my gig with Doug Kelly, who you might remember from our previous episode. Oh, uh, yes, of course. So, that was episode eight. Yeah. Doug and I are playing at Tempo Rubato next Saturday night, the 25th of Jan at 7pm. So make sure you can get there. Um we are going to be playing some Schumann Liederkreis, the Opus 39, the whole song cycle. We're also going to be doing some Hugo Wolf songs. It's the selection of his Morica Lieder. Who's Hugo Wolf? He is a German composer. There you go. I I've never heard of him before. Yeah. I was getting confused with Victor Hugo. Who is Victor the Hugo. So <laughs> that's okay. We will. I've got that sorted now. It's actually some really... It's some pretty awesome music. Fantastic. And we're doing two songs by Maurice Poulenc. Is that his first Poulenc? Name? Yeah. For some reason, Poulenc always makes me think of wine. Yeah, me too. I don't know why. Yeah. Might have a wine after I play some Poulenc. Yeah. Um, I might have a wine while you're playing some Poulenc. No, I have <laughs> discovered that I'm not good playing. I'm, I don't like I don't like not having the control. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll have a wine while you're oh, playing. You can totally <laughs> have a wine. Go for it. Have I'm, one for um, me as well. I'll be there in the audience <laughs> yeah, sure. cheering you on. Do it. Feeling very comfortable. Excellent. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be great. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so going to be good. If you're Melbourne side, come on down and please do watch our darling Ioana yeah. and Doug. Yeah. You can um, book via tri-booking. The concert's called On a Wondering, an evening of song. Or you can go to the Tempo Rabatta website and um, they'll, it's listed on there and they'll have a link to the Try Booking account where you can buy tickets. Yep. And you can also head to our Instagram because I am spamming this concert over there. <laughs> I will also be doing so too. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really exciting. It's going to be good to get in front of a crowd again. For It's been, I think, about four years since I've played in front of a crowd. Wow. Yeah, so. It's so exciting. And that's kind of why we set out to do this podcast, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely going to be playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and working with Doug has been really good. It's been lots of fun. So exciting. Yay. Another thing we need to talk about today, Ioana. Yes, Sarah. Is some incredible work that's being done by our good friend, Ashley, who um, we also did our honours year with. Yeah. So Ashley is a clarinet player. Is there a clarinetist? Is that? Yes, that's okay. the word. You might be familiar with some of the work she does, actually. Yeah. So we, we do um, repost her on Instagram quite a bit. She's amazing. She has her Instagram account which is Clary Ash Music um, so C-L-A-R-I Ash Music um, on Instagram and she does all these amazing cover songs and mm. different creative musical things it's, it's really so cool, cool. yeah um, I, she did like a vitamin C all on <laughs> clarinet you know remember that song yeah as we go on yeah that one yeah um, so much fun um, and as most of you will know um, particularly our Australian based listeners Australia is on fire. Yes, it is. There's been some horrible bushfires here mm. this season and it's just been extremely traumatic. Um, I actually got evacuated from work. Oh, due did to you? One. Yeah, so not the main ones that are the really disastrous ones, but on just before New Year's, I was in at the office at work and there was a fire in um, the gorge near where I work and we could see the flames. And oh, was that the one close to Bandura area? Yes, yeah, yeah it was right. ex- extremely scary um, yeah that's full on yeah it was really full on so it's just been a really kind of awful start to the year mm, i guess um, it has been for a lot for, of people for local aussies and ashley actually lives in japan and she was feeling quite um distressed seeing what's going on back home and yeah. also um she's you know we've been chatting to her and she was saying that she was also feeling really 
kind of um, sad and hearing things that other people, you know, even people here in Australia were saying, family, friends and things like that, talking about how helpless they felt. Yeah. Because even like us here, we're in the city and yeah. we've got all these, you know, amazing firefighters and volunteers and animal rescuers up and on the front lines kind of and not helping out. to mention the people who live in their towns yeah. and these great little townships. Yeah. yeah, you know, just being absolutely bombarded. Yeah. And so she wrote this song um, to support people and to kind of get this message out and also to, um, yeah, support the, the people who are doing the hard work and yeah. kind of give us a way to express and maybe raise some funds and things like that. Yeah. So she's... Um, written a song she hasn't released it yet she'll be releasing that on her instagram shortly um but she says that the song is meant to uplift and empower anyone who may um, be feeling a bit helpless in this situation and wondering what they can do um and she's also been reposting some like amazing different initiatives from the arts as Mm. well which i should get onto our account and repost some of these too because you know here in australia recently um our arts fund our federal arts funding got cut. Yeah. They not the funding hasn't been cut, the department's they, been sorry, they destroyed the arts department yeah. completely. Um, which has been, you know, it's been awful. But then to see in the wake of all these fires the incredible generosity and uh, resourcefulness that the arts communities yeah. have been doing. You know, there's been hundreds of music festivals and concerts that people are doing around locally Just to raise, raise money. money. Um, there's been, you know, makers selling things and creating yeah, to, to people money. donating their time and their talent yeah um to raise money for those absolutely and i mean ash has been posting lots of links and we can send them too if you want to get involved and to send things where to donate as well um but yeah she's written this beautiful song and she's going to rec- record and release it properly um in the next week or so and mm. we're just so excited to hear it and to share it with you all so we just wanted to mention that and of course, um, yeah, keep an eye, we'll share it on our Instagram page yeah. when it comes out as well. And hopefully we'll get a chance to have a proper chat with us sometime in the not too great. distant future. We can um, learn how to do an international episode yeah. with her in Japan and us here. <laughs> so yeah, so we just wanted to kind of mention that as well and of course send our love and support to anyone who's been affected by the fires yeah. and to all those hardworking volunteers and people who are working up there in those communities as well absolutely yeah so we better get into the meat of this episode today Mm. or the meat substitution if you're vegetarian or vegan (laughs) don't laugh at me i love it let's (laughs) do the mock meat of this episode (laughs) so today we are um going to be playing you an interview that we did quite some time ago now with our good friend of the podcast adrienne gamonet who went through the music course with us when we were studying yeah and now she is a music teacher extraordinaire a classroom Classroom music music, teacher um and so we caught up with her a little while ago to talk about basically what it's like being a classroom music teacher how the transition was from doing a course where you're so intensely focused on solo performance Mm. to then having such a shift in what you're doing musically and how she kind of maintains her musical self within all that music work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so take a listen. Hope you enjoy. Adrienne, thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so we thought we'd um, get you to start by telling us a little bit about your musical life. How mm. did you get started? Um, what did you learn when you were younger? And what you do now? Okay. 
Um, I guess like every good primary school student, I started <laughs> off with a recorder. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I never learnt recorder. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. ever. No. You should get wow. some recorders on We should. Show. We should. Oh, that's so fun. That can be scale of the month. I think I have one. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> can you do that for scale, scale of the month? month. <laughs> on the on the recorder. I could try. I could do a C. Yep. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> later. <laughs> awesome. Getting back Sorry, um, <laughs> Yeah. So I did recorder actually, and then I ended up being in the recorder ensemble, like oh, wow. as a grade five. I think, or grade six. So I was on the tenor recorder, <laughs> which oh, wow. is... That's cool. Yeah, I thought I thought I was cool. So um, <laughs> it's quite large for a 10-year-old, um, you know. And so we did some little gigs at old people's homes and, you know, churches and things. And, yeah, then I started piano um, lessons, probably as a grade five um, student as well. Right. So... Yeah, I I did them for maybe two years, and then I actually quit for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God, so really? I, yeah, why? can that. you remember why? I just I enjoyed the musical side of it, but I wasn't putting enough effort yeah in right. to to get the results I wanted, yeah. which were quick results. And you know, like when you're practicing, you want to sound really good of immediately. Course, yeah. And as a kid, you know, I didn't have any patience, so I quit for a while. And then I think I got back to piano lessons um, again, probably about year eight. Um, wow, right. In secondary school. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then ever since year eight, I just kept on practicing and, you know, doing more, um, you know, just Some, doing more music. Something really. clicked. Yeah, something yeah, clicked, right. yeah. And um, so I did, yeah, the whole AMEB experience, which we know. <laughs> our international listeners, that's the Australian Music Examination Board, which is yes. kind of the, the typical examination pathway that a young learner will go through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I clicked well with that teacher that I had in secondary school. And, you know, he really um, encouraged me to do a lot of, um, you know, see a lot of different know types of styles in music and um really get into beethoven um <laughs> so I, I remember having a beethoven, beethoven piece every year at amab that's a wow. long beethoven which was phase. a lot yeah <laughs> yeah do you and think it sorry to interrupt do you think okay. that was something about that particular teacher that clicked with you that kind of got you more inspired to learn Could and to be. practice in that yeah. more meaningful way yeah because he was very uh, I suppose straightforward, maybe a bit blunt. Right. <laughs> Whereas the previous teacher was very lovely. Like she was a mother, you know, figure. Um, mm. And maybe I took advantage of that. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I would have thought, because I think I would definitely have responded to yeah. the opposite, you know. Yeah. I was a student that needed a lot of nurturing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this teacher, he, you know, you couldn't really get away with anything. And it was just like, oh, you know. You haven't practiced, obviously. <laughs> and that was that. And That's go, what yeah, you needed. Right. Yeah. You I needed so. that push. Yeah. yeah right. So I didn't really get any special treatment from him. Um, yeah. But I, at the same time, I enjoyed his, you know, his support as well. And then when you finally got, you know, a good passage or you finally could play a piece, you know, to a good standard, you felt really good when he yeah. gave you, yeah. you know, when he gave you, um, oh, what's the word? You know, when he just said, oh, that, that sounded, yeah, like a compliment. And yeah. really, you know, a really um, fulfilling sort of experience in actually finishing a piece, 
you know, learning it, memorising it maybe, and then you'd feel really good when he, you know, very rarely said (laughs) (laughs) that that it was going well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he definitely did play a part, you know, with teenage me who was maybe a bit lazy. (laughs) It's so important, the influence of teachers, and we've talked about that briefly in another episode. We have, yeah. And just how how, um, the teacher that you have can influence your relationship with music throughout and all the instrument that you play mm, throughout your life. Definitely. Yeah, and it, it, obviously it's very different for different types of students as well. Mm. You know, it's important to try different teachers out if it's Absolutely. not working. I think that's a big thing that for me as a teacher was hard to kind of accept was that some students were never going to learn well off me. Exactly. Mm. That's just... Yeah. Um, and it's nothing to do with yeah, you. It's just everyone <laughs> yeah. with different people. And Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it's good for parents to know too, I guess. And, yeah. You know. So what do you do now? Just if you want to tell us. So listeners. now I'm a classroom music teacher um, in secondary school year levels. Mm-hmm. So uh, this year I've got year sevens, year eights, year tens, and then two year 12 classes. Wow. That's um, a big load. So it's a big load. <laughs> but at the same time, I think um, it's quite a usual load. For yep. someone in the secondary school environment. Right. Mm. Yeah. So um, I suppose, yeah, looking at the, you know, older year levels of VCE expectations and seeing what, they, what they're up to, it's quite um, different from year seven. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, getting kids um, who've never had any experience in primary school yeah. um, interested in music. It's, yeah, there's a lot to do. <laughs> you find that very challenging? Uh, I think it's actually quite it's quite fun because it's a clean slate almost yeah. and they they're really keen to do you know to try new things yeah and um yeah they're, they're a fun fun age they're very I don't know malleable or moldable <laughs> <laughs> yeah can I ask um yeah. I'm really interested in how music classes mm. run because I know when I started high school a long time ago <laughs> there was a you know there was a big divide in the class over students yeah. who'd learnt an instrument before so myself mm. I was kind of you know pretty mediocre at piano that would be that's a exaggeration in itself I was not very good at piano but mm. when you're in that class situation you actually can read yeah. music you, you know what you're doing and yeah. then um you've got students who've never done any before and mm. then you've potentially got child prodigy students as well oh, yeah. how do you balance that and how do you make that mm. classroom experience useful for those students Um, of all different abilities yeah I suppose um that's the case that classroom music teachers have to deal with on a yeah on a daily basis and yeah you're right there's so much um variety and abilities and also interests yeah Um, of course so like if I'm thinking about I don't know my year 10 class who all wants to be to be there they've chosen the subject as an elective um they all want to do music but there's still jazz kids, there's still the rock and roll students and the ones who, you know, then do the classical stream, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. suppose. So they, they're all entirely different and trying to manage them, yeah, you're always, always, you know, revising and reviewing what you want to do, um, trying to explain, you know, like composition or performance practice in different ways um I think with the the year seven and eight groups um who have to be there (laughs) whether they like it or not um as you said you'll see the the child prodigies (laughs) and then the students who want to be there and the ones who don't want to be there um 
I guess just giving them lots of different types of music making experiences um, to the point where they're challenged in different ways. So it might be, you know, small group performance where right. they, yeah. they might learn rock around the clock or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the student who has, you know, their Elmas in piano, <laughs> I might purposely put them on guitar for that activity. So right. suddenly, cool. yeah, 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 they, you know, they can't really coast along anymore. They still have to put in some work yeah. and know how to hold an instrument like that. Um, yeah, or so I might layer it that way. Um, and some students who've never played before, maybe they might sing or they might play a melody with one finger on the yeah, piano great. or, you know, on the xylophone. <laughs> That's great because so, you, you want to yeah. get that successful learning. Yeah. yeah. It's a positive learning, learning environment. Yeah. Exactly. Where everyone's on the same level of comfort or discomfort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like those students who don't play, that's their only experience. So they're not going to be practicing every day like an instrumental student who yeah. you know has the has the music or has the instrument or the you know the want to to learn. So um, you know it might be something like songwriting, which yeah. gets them um, able to express themselves. So yeah. being creative for the younger year levels for me, I think, is really important. And it's I don't true. think I did did those sorts of activities when I was in year seven. No. I don't remember doing that. Um, we did worksheets and yeah. you know, we did theory. <laughs> Which theory is useless and if projects. you're never going to do music outside <laughs> exactly. of Exactly, yeah. I don't so, know um, if you guys learn this kind of stuff when you're training hmm. to become a teacher, but I know something that's come up a lot in music therapy um, for me is that for people who have negative experiences in music when they're young, so maybe hmm. they were told by an instrumental teacher that they were no good yeah. or they were in the school choir but told to lip sync which actually yeah. in the the, the choir that that I run, there's a lot of people who had that and yeah but it in, in impacts the way that they engage it in, does um, music in later life yeah which is really sad and also you know if from my perspective in my my area of work we see music as a health resource mm. and something like singing in a community choir is particularly important mm. then to have such a positive experience of being able to do something I think in yeah. the classroom is amazing mm. so that's really yeah. great yeah. to hear your strategies and everything that you you can do to kind of you know even at the playing field I guess and yeah get something positive for definitely everyone. yeah and I think like you know engaging with technology that's something which is you know, currently really important in, say, the music industry. Yeah, right. So recording techniques for maybe older students like year nines or, you know, year tens, yeah. um, you know, that kind of thing. So making music a bit more relevant for today um, and showing them what they can do. So it's not all about performance if, if they don't really feel like being a performer. Yeah. Um, of course, it's still good for them in the curriculum to experience, but, you know, they might be happier to you know, do recording or, <laughs> you know, um, like stage work um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, nice. yeah, it's good for them to, yeah, definitely experience success so they don't have um, that kind of personal, you know, they don't want to um, show themselves or show their work um, in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like also, you know, music's just like anything, like learning to drive or learning to um you know cook it's all about the um you know still giving it a go yeah and I really absolutely. try and yeah put that in my classes and 
you know, it's a safe space. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you find the transition from studying music and learning mm. and performing to going to a classroom teacher? Um, did you think, do you think that your relationship with music changed in any way? Yeah. And so how do you think Definitely. I think when you're learning piano for so long and doing it at uni and, you know, practicing huge amounts of repertoire, to suddenly go into teaching and have no time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think time is the one thing that is such a luxury for teachers. (laughs) Um, It's just so different because um, you don't get to have, you know, the the same amount of practice that you want to do. Um, You don't necessarily engage with the the type of music that you're familiar with. So suddenly going into teaching um when I was working with students in small ensembles or you know again the the jazz stream or choir um yeah I really had to focus on music in in different genres and that was a bit of a challenge at first Mm -hmm. definitely um but for I think for now I think I enjoy it more because I'm engaging with people and I'm not just in my room (laughs) practicing (laughs) and you know there's that internal feeling of am I good enough to perform this or, you know, can I present this work in front of an audience? It's a huge amount of concentration and personal effort and now talking to students about their music making, it's, I think, I think it's really, um, you know, it's great to do because you're engaging with younger, you know, generations of students and, um, yeah, it's really fulfilling for Mm. for me. and yeah, I'm not doing as much playing. <laughs> I've got the practice guilt, <laughs> you oh, know, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> definitely. Like every every teacher would say the same. Um, but yeah, you're engaging with students in different ways and really, you know, encouraging them to, you know, to be the best musicians they can be. So yeah, I, you know, for now, like playing for choir or or working with year sevens to doing some kind of rock, you know, song. It's completely different to what we studied. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. Completely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's nice to come back to the piano after a while <laughs> yeah. as well <laughs> and, and playing something that I'm familiar with. But mm. they're rare, you know, occasions now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it's nice but at the same time, yeah, it's totally different. Mm. yeah <laughs> well it sounds like you do a lot to engage with music outside mm. of what you've studied mm. and I was going to ask you next how do you keep your passion for music when it's sort of like a yeah it's just a job yeah but it sounds like you are really creative in the ways that you teach mm. music and that keeps your creativity and yeah um, passion for music alive yeah I think it helps having a strong support network as well so mm. I'm lucky that my school has a huge, um, you know, we've got, including me, there's four classroom teachers, which is not the norm yet. That's big. <laughs> That's <laughs> huge. That was Definitely. Like... And then there's, you know, I, I don't even know, maybe 15 or 16 instrumental wow. teachers. That's a huge staff. So it's a huge staff. Um, and I have been in schools where I've been the only music teacher. So that's, again, 
you know, you make friends with a drama teacher then. (laughs) 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 Or the art teacher. (laughs) You know, us creative types have to stick together. But, um, yeah, like having that network as well is so important, I think. Um, They've definitely, you know, they give me ideas. We're always talking about about how to... um, you know, what are you going to do with year eights tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to, (laughs) you know, do this particular activity and here are the reasons why. So it's good to have those people in your life Mm. or, you know, even, um, you know, other musician friends who, yeah, who you might have played with in the past to still have that contact. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really hard, particularly for classical musicians, to keep that connection with peers once you finish because it's such a... We're not taught to be able to play with mistakes yeah. or be comfortable with them. And yeah. it's that kind of you have to get comfortable with being imperfect, I think, mm. and in order to, you know, if you're not practicing six hours a day, you, you can't play at the standard that yeah. you used to be able to. So kind of letting go of that and just jamming with friends, I think. Yeah. 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 Especially if you, that's something that should be encouraged more, yeah. I find that, especially as a piano player, Mm. studying piano it's such a solo instrument mm. and so you are as you often you said before you're often in a room by yourself trapped mm. with all your thoughts whereas I, I've been doing a bit of chamber work since yeah. we finished and I find that collaborating and working with other musicians is so good because you're just you're not worried about how you're playing but yeah. you're just um you have this opportunity to just explore music and um sort of uh, voice your ideas and mm. exchange ideas with other people. It's really, yeah, it's quite nice and it's good to sort of, and all, all that sort of focus on playing wrong, it just sort of becomes second. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think, you know, some kids might have the tendency to just naturally feel that way. Mm. So it's so important, I find, to just, you know, to encourage them to, to jam with each other. And I remember myself, you know, being in secondary school, and someone would say, oh, can you sight read this with me? Let's see how this goes. And I'd be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be going, oh, no, I need to practice. I need to go home and learn it. Yeah. And then come back to you. <laughs> yeah. This idea of just being able to sight read is yeah. so, it's not discouraged, but it's just not um, yeah. focused on. A little yeah. Bit. And it's not natural. Yeah. And I'll see, you know, the, the brass kids at school just go for it. Yeah. You know, on their well, own. They've only got to read one stage. No, true. <laughs> that is true. One note at a time. Like eight. Well, there's that. <laughs> oh dear. Hmm. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, you've trained in piano specifically, mm. but you're teaching in the classroom kids from a really big range of instrumental backgrounds, particularly yes. at those advanced, like final years of school. Yeah. Um preparing to go off into university can Mm. you explain to us how you manage um teaching them I know you're not necessarily giving them instrumental lessons Mm. but encouraging them in their performance and things like that like have you had to go away and learn about particular instruments and repertoire Mm. that wasn't in the style that you were familiar with yeah definitely um thinking about like you know the year 10 or VCE levels um I've had a student learn iwi which is electronic wind instrument wow (laughs) so that's one student where I had no idea what he was talking about and then I realized that's the instrument that does a little solo in um isn't she lovely by Stevie Wonder so that's that instrument (laughs) so go home and listen to that (laughs) maybe we can put a snippet in in post (laughs) yeah Yeah. 
Um, and then at the moment, I've got a student wanting to do Highland drumming. So that's oh, wow. like Scottish, wow. you know, How drumming with bagpipes. I actually don't know. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, he's a new student to the school. So, I'll, yeah, I'll <laughs> ask him. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, really, really interesting. Um, and, yeah, I've done – I've got some flute students doing extended techniques. Um, <laughs> I've got violin students do, wanting to do, like, Baroque bowing. So, wow. it's a huge variety and it's so out of my, you know, normal experience of music. Even the ones in the classical – side because you know they're all picking these topics which are really um really narrow and then they find their performance programs and you know that they practice that for the end of the year so yeah I suppose it's been a bit of research (laughs) (laughs) or even um you know learning about you know jazz I suppose idioms like improvising and transcribing and learning what those students need to do to be Mm. successful in that genre it's yeah it's been a bit of work (laughs) in just talk like again maybe talking to their teachers or um chatting to them to see what their process is when they do transcribe or Mm. you know when they when they are in an ensemble playing their part what is it that you actually do can you explain to me how you you know, how you're going to perform this particular piece. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. So I guess you don't have to be the expert at that kind of level of what they're doing. It's just a case of um, keeping informed, which is Because you're marking them as well in um, throughout the year. Mm. So I know a few years ago I put a... um, one of my private students went through VCE, mm. which for our international and interstate listeners yeah, yeah. is the Victorian... Certificate of Education. That, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of our, our school leaving yeah. examination. And mm. I know that his classroom music teacher didn't wasn't a pianist mm. and he didn't seem to know how to judge my students. Exactly. So he got exceptional marks throughout the year mm. purely because... He was, I mean, he was good, yeah, but yeah. he didn't get any critique back yes. from that particular teacher. And yeah. Which, in the end, we said, well, I know what you play, but, you know, when you're an instrumental teacher, you're too close. Mm, you know, yeah. it wasn't constructive for me either. So we yep. ended up sending him to a few different teachers just right. to get some, yeah. you know, feedback. Because if you don't know oh, exactly. what, what the standard is and what to expect, yeah. you know, I, as a musician, you should be able to give some advice. But exactly. If it's yeah. something that, you know, you, you can't critique, then mm. I think you, it's, yeah, like you said, you yeah. need to go away and do some research. Yeah, because it's just the detail, you know, the level of detail required um, can be really high level. And, you know, where do you start? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, again, like I would definitely, you know, use my colleagues to, <laughs> to um, say, oh, really, how do you think this performance is, you know, right. um, you know, in the in the level of which this student's playing, definitely. Um and again, we do things in class like mini performance practice sessions. So oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I really enjoy those. And again, we try and keep it, you know, safe space, and yeah. um, we don't build up to it too much. There's no hype around it, so they just see it as a normal thing that they have to do, you know, every every two weeks or every month. Um, that's really good. Yeah, that would be a great way of encouraging a very positive attitude toward performance, mm. which I think is. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, I think with performance practice, 
you know, we start the year and everyone has a few jitters and they're, they're very nervous, which is, you know, quite understandable. I would have been exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we just, I try and make it as informal as possible and say, look, you can, you can perform a section of your piece or you can do a whole piece. Um, you can ask for comments and, you know, critique or you can just get up and play and have no one, you know, comment on you. Just yeah. get up and play and then that's your experience mm. and you take away from that what you need. So, mm. yeah, doing that is good as well because then the, often the other students who play that instrument will say, oh, I noticed you did that or you could improve it in this way. So that helps me yeah. <laughs> learn about their <laughs> instrument as well. <laughs> and then it's back on them. Oh, but so, that's so good as yeah. well because it's good for you, but it's also good for the student yeah. giving the critique because the, they say like the best way to learn yeah. is to teach. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's really important to get students to talk about oh. what they're hearing, mm. In, mm. which is not something that is always done, which is, I think then bleeds yes. into this, fear of engaging or consuming classical music yes it's just not a knowledge i mean those kids yeah. who are studying it so they're more familiar with it but you know um i think it's really important from an early age to be able to get kids to understand what texture means when it comes yeah. to music or color yeah or those sorts of things yeah um it's, i found yeah. it really interesting before when you said that you've got students who are you know doing extended flute techniques yeah or, <laughs> i don't know about you guys but when i was in school that was something like you'd never heard about no. that sort of stuff. Do you think it's because they're more advanced in their playing, so their teachers might be sharing these sorts of things with them, or it's the exposure to social media because there's a lot of a lot mm. of videos and stuff you can find on Facebook and stuff that yeah. you know, is it classic or whatever put on. Do you think it's a mixture of that, or is it their own curiosity and having the internet at our hands? How do you where do you think that sort of interest comes yeah. from, or knowledge even? That's, that might be a yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I think definitely, yeah, the internet and social media and things like YouTube, where there's mm. so much on YouTube, definitely that would play a part. Um, I think there's such a huge amount of information there, and the ones who, you know, find that spark that they really enjoy listening to they will go for hours and they'll find playlists upon playlists to just listen to. So um, that's definitely a huge factor. I think with their teachers as well, they'll definitely recognise that and then they'll point them in that direction. Mm. But yeah, I don't think I would have had that kind of direction in my playing yeah. as, a, as a high school student. Um, I, I know, well, maybe it was my teacher, but I think... You know, he'd say, "Okay, you've got to pick your list A, B, C, D." So, <laughs> well, pick also from the there. structure, of the way that <laughs> yeah. the examinations are run in our yeah. country as well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But the students that we have definitely have so much choice these days, and I think they know that. Um, yeah, yeah. And at times, you have to, you know, the teachers will say, "Oh, well, look, maybe you're." going a bit out of your depth at the moment we, yeah. we have to rein it in yeah. <laughs> you can't do a solo that goes for 10 minutes <laughs> but um <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's really interesting yeah and yeah as I said I don't think I would have done that as a 16 yeah. year old by myself yeah. no, um yeah. because I remember I was still you know my teacher would give me the cds of Chopin's you know yeah. nocturnes and I go okay I'll, I'll listen to these but I wouldn't go out of that and That's research fine. my own 
you know, go my own way. I forgot that you had to way. go and get a CD yeah. to listen to yeah. music when we were learning. Yeah. <laughs> Not only do you need a CD, you need, then need a CD player. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you couldn't just go on your phone and yeah. be like, hey, what's the, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, like we, I remember YouTube coming out <laughs> oh, wow. as a high school student. Wow. And I remember my <laughs> friends like watching some TV shows on it, yeah, you know, right. in their free periods. But yeah. I, 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 I didn't know what was out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's so funny. It is. Yeah. I do. I do think you need to acknowledge as well that you are working at a very good school it for is. music. Yeah. 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 Um, and that possibly also means that the students are better resourced. Yeah. They're, they're already at a higher standard oh, just from there. And situation. the culture as well. Yeah. Like they, you know, if they come in already playing and they see what the year 12s do, they want to be like the yes, year 12s yeah. when they get there. So again, they've got that kind of motivation. You know, mm-hmm. community to, you know to think about too. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that though, you've worked in some schools that are possibly um, on the other end of very the yeah. <laughs> um, under-resourced in terms of yeah, music. Um, yeah. Can you, like what do you, I don't even know where mm. I'm going with the question, but you know, comparing that, oh. do you see a difference in just the student's general well-being or yeah. things How they like approach that? Music? How, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, some schools, uh, well, Every school has a culture and a community and, you know, the students who enter that community, they learn how to interact with people and they know what is um, considered normal or mm. not normal and then they make a decision based on yeah. do I want to be, you know, seen as different because I play clarinet or <laughs> will I hide that and only do yeah. my instrument at home and not tell anyone? So, mm. yeah. Some schools that I worked at, they were really big on the musical. Like the musical, you know, was the thing, the the big event of the year Mm. and that got the performing arts students (laughs) to really, you know, to engage with being in a team and, Mm. you know, work with a script. So, but that would be the only performance that they'd do that year. Um, And then... One other school that I worked at, we didn't have any performance opportunities. There were no ensembles or bands. Um, and and I think maybe that made the students, you know, think, oh, well, music isn't important. So yeah, yeah. even though, you know, we'd all say, oh, no, it is. It's on the same level as every other subject. But they weren't really expected to perform on anything. Again, that was more theory or projects. So... It's a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of, um, you know, I think primary schools around Victoria don't have a music program at yes. all. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I've been um, I'm in the process of cold calling schools for the program, yeah. the live stream yeah. program. And I usually do a little bit of a quick Google search mm. and have a look at the school to see if they've got a music program or, and a lot of them have like, mm. they just, again, have that one performance yeah. during the year the musical uh, the, which covers like performing arts yeah or yeah. some of them will have like uh is it future music that comes yes. in and does yeah. programs or mm. other sort of similar um um organizations that do that mm. others are like have cluster a uh, cluster school so they sort of do it as a cluster mm. um a cluster group or they'll have like an instrumental program and that sort of mm. is just outside of it so it's there's a big variation there is or yeah. they have a music teacher come in once a fortnight to give yeah. a lesson. Yeah. So it's just... For 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. But 
that seems, you know, yeah. that they're providing it. Yeah. It's a shame. But it is. Mm. I think I think that in itself is good that they still provide that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the students who really want to engage, they'll find a way. Absolutely. Um, they do, you know, as we said before, they'll, they'll teach themselves at home or, you know, they'll beg their parents for lessons. So they do find a way. But again, I suppose, like, my students have so many opportunities and I feel that, you know, you wish that every student had that. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I'm sure you see the benefits of yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like, even just for community alone, um, students will come and spend all day at the music block. Wow. And, you know, if that wasn't there, they might not have anywhere where they feel, yeah. you know, safe or supported or, you know, have friends. So... It's such a good thing for um, students to have a thing that they enjoy. Um, and, you know, if, if more, I suppose, government resources went into music, yeah, yeah. like, you'd see the benefits in just, you know, in students going to school, <laughs> like, attending school, you know. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or doing their homework or, you know, whatever, like, just being there and, you yeah. know, having a positive experience as yeah. opposed to mm. something else which, you know, might not work out for them. So, mm. yeah. Um, part of your job involves, I guess you've spoken a bit about, uh, accompanying small vocal mm. ensembles. How do you find stepping into that role and does it feel any different from performing solo? Yeah, definitely very different. Um, I did accompany um, a small, I guess it was like a jazz group for two years with my current school um, mm. and they, well, not, not so much jazz but more contemporary yeah. or... Um, you know, we, we do generations in jazz, or well, we still do, <laughs> and that's the big festival in um, South Australia yeah. where, um, you know, all sorts of schools and performers go to, to perform and to compete and just ex- experience jazz music. Um, so we do things like gospel or, yeah, right. you know, Latin sounds. Um, and then other things that they'd play would, be or sing, <laughs> yeah. you know, just general a cappella repertoire, um, or even I remember one piece was in Latin, like it was a Renaissance piece. So sort of a mix, but again, so different from classical piano repertoire, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. And so I think when you learn that kind of repertoire, you know, you've got to look at different staves, <laughs> read the tenor clef. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know, just knowing that your accompaniment part that is with this particular piece of music isn't the most important part. Mm. And it's okay to miss out on some bits or that's the good part. You know <laughs> it's okay to simplify, <laughs> which is really nice. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like some some parts in a in a choir piece choral piece sorry um (laughs) will be you know it might be quite technically difficult for the singers even if you know pianistically when I'm playing it it's quite easy Mm. so I I won't really practice it too much Mm. um or there'll be a part which you know they're just on one note for bars and bars and bars and meanwhile my part's all over the place so (laughs) it's a different approach to, to actually learning the notes and then being in the rehearsal and having the conductor specify what she wants. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. And again, like working with a conductor, you get to experience the music in a new way, you know, or interpret it that, of course, yeah. that you may not look at 
you know, by yourself. Mm. Do you think yeah. that the training that we had at university for ensemble playing and accompaniment mm. was useful or do you think it could stand to be more rigorous uh, or...? Because I remember being, like, we would have the piece to learn mm. and we'd have soprano, alto, alto tenor, bass mm. and then she'd go, all right, play the soprano and alto part together yeah and you go all right (laughs) and you know do that struggle your way through and then okay do the tenor and soprano and it felt like such a mind game in Mm. uni (laughs) but in real life I think um it's actually a bit nicer I don't I don't feel like I'm being (laughs) tested (laughs) I think it's Um, something about having other people around you yeah, yeah yeah um and I think like most of the pieces have been straightforward if I have to break up certain vocal parts but then we go into sectionals and I'll just work with the bass students yeah you know um it's rare that it gets to the amount of stress that we experienced yeah with the accompaniment accompaniment, I remember seeing one of our teachers (laughs) sight read an orchestral score and reduce it in the moment in the moment like yeah I don't know. No. I don't think there's anything <laughs> I'd ever, no, no amount of practice yeah. would ever get my brain to be able to do that. Exactly. I remember her saying that she was always like reading eight bars yes. ahead of what she was playing. Yeah. And that, till this day, yes. is like, I always wow. think of it when I think she of that. Reads, I, she when said, I, I remember she said her eyes would go in zigzags. Yeah. <laughs> like she'd just look at the <laughs> yeah. like harmony and melody and everything yeah. at yeah. once. She's not actually reading yeah. the music, she's reading the foundations of the music. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's so bizarre. Yeah. It's so cool. Like, I'd love to like have. Oh all the money in the world just to like put such people skill. up to neurological oh. scanners and yeah you know, so you can see what goes on in their mind and yeah, yeah how it totally. all works totally so interesting, interesting. yeah I think, yeah I feel similarly to you in that when you're in that situation <laughs> in real life when you've got because I, I always found it hard to learn to accompany yeah yeah because you're not actually accompanying anyone so you can stop yes and I'm yeah. very undisciplined <laughs> so I just would I'd give up whereas yeah when you're accompanying an actual group, you just have to keep going and it's, yeah. Yeah. You, you manage it. And I just, yeah, I think you do. that, you know, and education part. could continue that. Like you can, yeah, they should get you actually playing with people more to be able exactly. to. Because again, you don't, that skill. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you don't get the, you don't have to play, you know, a hundred percent of the notes correctly. It's, yeah. you know, good to, um, of course, you know, be true to the music and you know, <laughs> be, be nice and neat about it. But like, yeah, definitely it's not going to be an issue if I yeah. take out like some of the middle yeah. know, voicings of these chords because actually it's just there to be a support. Yeah. Um, Got to which keep is, the rhythm. Yeah, and keep the <laughs> rhythm and, you know, like acknowledge that, you know, the kids who are singing with us, they're learning as well. So yeah. they're not judging me. No. <laughs> their, their head is in their part. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting process. Um, I have to say there is some, you know, crazy sight reading that we have to do in choir just because she hasn't given me the music yet. She'll go, oh, yeah, we'll do this today. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> and try and look calm and serene. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like trying to learn it when she's, you know, giving out yeah. notices. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's fun. And so, yeah, we did, um, oh, what was it? We did a foray piece last year. Oh, that would be and nice. that was beautiful. Mm. It was Oh, I did the harp great. part oh, <laughs> on <lovely>. piano <laughs> and then we had our string students play, um, you know, so it's like an orchestral reduction a bit, yeah. you know, and that was pretty. And then this year we're doing the uh, the finale to Act One, 
Lamies. <gasps> so, oh, yeah. yay! It's <laughs> like so much drama. Oh, wow. I'm kind of just jealous because you get to learn about all these different instruments yeah, and styles and techniques cool. and play all these cool pieces. Yeah. Um, which kind of brings us, I guess, to our last question for mm. the interview being how do you stay motivated um, to, to, well, I guess, has your motivation changed in terms of playing music and, Mm. um, you know, progressing as a musician and your own musical identity? How has that changed since you've become a teacher? You know, I guess when you're a student studying classical piano, Mm. your identity is as a classical pianist. (laughs) How do you feel that's changed since you've had all these new experiences and... Oh, it's definitely changed for sure. Um, I think, yeah, you're very, you're so right about the whole classical piano, you know, identity. Um, and yeah, my motivation to practice has definitely dropped, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> just because, you know, spending all your day talking about music, you get home and you yeah. just don't want to do any music anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely, you know, experienced as I mentioned before, a lot of practice guilt (laughs) and just, you know, I wouldn't practice the the piano for months and months just because I was busy with school. Yeah. And I think now my practice is more in short bursts as opposed to a really measured approach that we, you know, we had the luxury of doing in uni. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess the motivation, like if I wasn't doing any music, I'd probably come back to it. Yeah. I think it's just about balance as well. So a whole, you know, the the colleagues that I speak to, they have all sorts of, you know, weird interests like, you know, board games or like (laughs) (laughs) cricket or whatever. So they all have their other things to do. Well, you've got dancing. Yeah, I do dancing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, So it's good to have that because like imagine if, you know, suddenly you couldn't play, um, what would you do? Yeah, that's and a really good point, actually. That's a yeah. really good question. Would yeah. you know? Question. I was. Who was I speaking to? I can't remember, but it was about someone who played a brass instrument, and then you know they got sick in their old age and couldn't perform anymore, yeah. and then went into you know like a spiral of depression because that was their life and identity. Mm. Yeah. And I just felt so sad because you know, of course, it's such an important thing for them. Yes. But then yeah. they don't have anything else to give them that same, you know, yeah. fulfillment. Yeah, that's so a really great point, isn't what, it? What, you know, would you still feel happy with yourself to, you know, yeah. to do other things? I'm not saying that, you know, you give up piano or music. No, <laughs> because saying, you know, expand yeah. your interests and have other things. and Yeah, definitely. Um, for sure. Like, I would totally, you know... Um, keep myself busy with, you know, watching TV or a movie or something as opposed to, um, you know, practicing all the time and making myself bored. So Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, does that make you kind of appreciate the times where you do get to spend with music more? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when, when I am practicing these days, it's, you know, as I said, a short burst. But, um, yeah, I think... I'm learning it quicker, quicker, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quickly. <laughs> um, so definitely, you know, I've I've given myself um, some strategies to learn music at a quicker pace, yeah. and then just do it 
but then I forget about it. So <laughs> <laughs> go off and do something else. So yeah, I think it's balanced. I don't know what I'm saying. I think it's balanced. You yeah, know? that's really great. Yeah. Cause I think we talk a lot about like our musical identity and how yeah. important that is to us, but we never, we never really talk about no, well, what happens true. if, I don't think I've ever yeah. thought about that. Yeah, that's it's a amazing. scary question, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> it's a very important question Yeah, to yeah. It's gotten me thinking about the choir that I run as well as, you yeah. know, the choir for people who are older who have um, neurodegenerative mm. disorders. Yeah. And actually thinking about them now, there are some members of that choir who have had that exact yeah. thing happen where they used to play and they're no longer able to. And mm. yeah. part of coming you to the choir to. is a way for them to regain some exactly. of that. Exactly. Yeah. But then there's a, it's a bittersweetness because it also does remind them that yeah. they can't play anymore. Yeah. Which is, you know, something really, yeah, really it's important to think about. So yeah. looking at that, yeah. yeah. Don't tie your identity all into the one, one thing. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, yeah. That's, a, that's a really beautiful note to think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my mind has been blown <laughs> again. <laughs> thank you so Happy much. Happy to help. Yeah. No, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your life and your yeah. work it's just been really really great to hear and i think it's these conversations yeah. that we don't have yeah as musicians yes i think and it's really positive oh <laughs> it's really nice to hear that um you know that your students are so motivated and encouraged mm. to study music and it's also great to hear the ways that you challenge yourself to teach music yeah. and how you really try to make sure that it's interesting for all your students no matter their level of um of, of playing or if they've never touched an instrument before and to keep it interesting and, and keep yeah. them engaged. Yeah. 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 And it's great, to, me. it's great to hear that teachers these days are thinking about these yeah. kinds yeah. of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Prioritising Always them. Always trying. It, as we were saying, I don't think, yeah, that was very different to what we experienced. Yeah. When yeah. We yeah. Well, yeah. Awesome. Great. So that was our interview with the lovely Adrienne. Thank you again, um, Adrienne. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> Thank you again, Adrian. <laughs> um, yeah, look, let please share your thoughts. Are you a music teacher? Do you um, music, you know, classroom music teacher? Do you have similar ideas as Adrian? What do you do to make sure that music still um, is an important part of your life um, whilst teaching it to? Perhaps ungrateful children every day. <laughs> <laughs> ungrateful children. Oh, well, you know, it can be trying. Yeah, let us know what you do to foster your musical self and all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, so, Zara. Yes, Diwana. <laughs> you know what time it is. <laughs> is it that special time of the episode? Oh, which are it? It's the scale of the... <laughs> It's scale of the episode. Uh, uh. <laughs> we keep forgetting that we have two different theme mm. tunes for this mm. one. I think we should just go with our gut and see. What I like comes it. Out. You know what? It's it's um experimental, mm. progressive. Mm. Are we committing music crimes? Is is our scale of the episode theme intro a crime against music? Do I need to wear the shame flute? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. So Zara is going to do it this time because I feel like I'm always playing the scale of the episode. Yeah, I kind of tend to um, avoid this a lot. Um, so I've decided that I'm going to play a G minor pentatonic scale Ooh. based something because that's the key that I usually play with in the band that I play with, Musical Journeys. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I just want to preface this by saying it's extremely hot in here. We had to turn off the <laughs> we had to turn off the fan because it was making too much noise. Whatever. <laughs> um, okay. How many octaves are you keep play? that in mind? I don't know. We'll see what comes out of me. Okay. <laughs>
didn't really sound like a scale, but... I said it, it's a thing. Nick did a whole I know, I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> well done. Yay, go Zara. Good job. Scales don't have to be... I'm just walking around with the mic, so this is going to be horrible audio. We can cut it if we need to. Oh, no. That, that can be... A <laughs> I think Dan, our sound man, used the term at one point, audio terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we, we don't take out our bloopers. We just include them in yep. for your We're giving you the raw deal here. Totally raw. We're bare, laying ourselves <laughs> bare for you. Are you going to finish that one? I'm in trouble with this. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going with that. Oh, anyway, moving on. Thank you for doing that, Zara. You're welcome. Uh, that was great i really enjoyed it thank you i appreciate it <laughs> um, my fingers are extremely sticky right now mm-hmm. i'm sorry i just sweated all over your piano you wanna that's okay i can mix in with the sweat from my rehearsal this morning <laughs> beautiful <laughs> but yeah i think i'll get some of your um sweat talent chaos <laughs> I don't know. that's great oh this i don't know about that a really disgusting way to end mm. feel free to just stop first listening. episode for 2020 <laughs> but wait don't stop listening because we have a very big announcement. Oh my gosh, yes. So in the spirit of resolutions. Yes, because it is January and because we are um, committing to trying to do more <laughs> this year, um, it's fine. We can take boundaries if we need, but we do want to kind of do something exciting this year. So our mm. New Year's resolution is, drum roll, please. <laughs> I'm sure that sounded awful. Crime Against Music. <laughs> Shame boot for you. Uh, we are going to organise an open mic night so all of you, our dear listeners, can start playing again. That's right. So we were talking just before we started recording about the fact that, as we've talked about and kind of is the whole premise of this show, once you kind of finish your music degree and if you don't go down the professional route, there's not a lot of opportunities to perform, mm. even if you want to. Even if you're good, even if you're mediocre like me, um, there's not a whole lot of chance to to go out and perform. And we were talking about like, why do Estedford's kind of cut off at certain ages and yeah. competitions? But then, I don't know, I'm a big old softy, therapisty person and don't like com- competitiveness. No, it shouldn't have to be competitive. <laughs> no, like it, music is fun and we should all be able to celebrate regardless of what we're doing. So... We've decided to plan and prepare a bit of an open mic night where we can all get together and share our, um, you know, pieces that we've been working on. Mm. We might even get some people in who can do a bit of a masterclass, perhaps. Oh, we'll see. Maybe. We'll see. We've idea. yet to be seen. Mm. So at this point, we're going to say September. So you've got nine months. That's right, dear listeners. And you can hold us to this resolution. And we will hold you to it too. Yes. So if you would like to be involved, if you have a piece of music that you would like to perform at this event, please email in to I used to play podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on our social media thingies. <laughs> I'm so professional. Yes, because we want you to take part. And if we've got lots of you sign up, perhaps we could do a few open mics. Maybe we'll do more than one. Yes. Give us a reason to do a few. And we also want to make this a little bit altruistic so we're not just tooting our own horns. Mm. Pardon the tooting our own shame, please. <laughs> um, so we'll make this into a bit of a fundraising event as well. So yeah. stay tuned for more details, but please get in touch if you would like to be involved. Um, we're very excited about this and motivated and we're full of new year 
motivation. Yeah, let's hope that sticks and yes. stays through till September. No, it will. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll stop being pessimistic. <laughs> so until next episode, which will be in an unspecified period of time. <laughs> you know us. It's the fun of it. <laughs> um, Go forth and be musical. Whenever that will be. <laughs> See you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>